Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The Giants are world champions. Welcome to the Giants Insider Podcast on NBCSportsBayArea.com. Introducing your host, San Francisco Giants Insider, Alex Pavlovich. All right, it is the third edition of the Emergency Podcast. First of all, shout out to all the people now who whenever something happens, their first response is, when's the Emergency Pod going to be? So this yeah. is our franchise now. Alex here, Ahmed Fareed. We both have fresh haircuts. We're we, ready for spring we training. We do. We didn't look enough alike already, and so now we both Neither have Neither one of us hair. is shaven, too. So if, yeah. if people saw us sitting here right now, it would be very confusing. I don't but know who I am. This is the uh, Austin Jackson emergency podcast yeah. not quite Longoria or uh, no. McCutcheon but still a, a nice piece and now a very interesting piece because you know last night we see the deal come across John Heyman reported at first he go that makes perfect sense a center fielder he fits under the tax um, it, it's not Dyson Gerard Dyson it's not Kane but it, it's a nice piece certainly you know the defensive metrics on him are, are not very good but when you look at where they came from um, with Denard Span and, and really I, I go back before that Angel Pagan like you go okay this is at least somebody who can throw out there is serviceable yeah. and then today we talked to Brian Sabian Bobby Evans uh, Bruce Bochy did a conference call which I found fascinating because Bruce Bochy was talking about Austin Jackson like he's his center fielder Brian Sabian and I'll read the quote here he said did we get him to be our everyday center fielder probably not so Austin Jackson, a guy who I think we'll see a lot of time in center, but also appears to be a fourth outfielder right now, which means they're still searching. So I'm confused. And that's, I mean, yeah, me when too. I really did, I, uh, I tweeted earlier this morning, I, I'm confused, Alex, I need a, an emergency podcast to help sort it out because, yeah, it totally made sense, right? You're right. Austin Jackson crushes lefties, at least he did last year, and he can be the platoon with Steven Duggar when he comes up. But then to hear that he's not the answer and that they want to... Here's the, here's the problem I'm having with it, is that anyone you get who's going to be cost-controlled or... Which is just, what they said. It has to be a pre-arbitration player, somebody who's making $550,000, $600,000. So then is he blocking Steven Duggar or, for, for right? three years? Or, you know, it just doesn't quite make sense to me. Because if it's a guy like you know, a name that's been thrown out there... Uh, Keon Broxton yeah. from from Milwaukee. I mean, he's like a fourth outfielder guy, better defensively than Austin Jackson, but offensively no. And he's 27 years old. It's not like he's young either. And so it kind of gives you another fourth, fifth outfielder. And if you're going to go that route, you might as well just play Gorky's Hernandez yeah. and not give up anyone. So it, it really doesn't make sense to me how how big of an, uh, another name, another move they can make in center field. So I have multiple concerns now. After I felt good about this move last night because it felt like part of a bigger picture and it still is I think but when I thought about it this morning and then you, you hear what they said today and you hear what their plan is assuming they're being truthful with us I, my concern is twofold one which you just said about Duggar is in the mix then if Austin Jackson's going to be your fourth outfielder and you spent that money on him and it's six million could be 8.5 
Is the difference between him as a fourth outfielder and Austin Slater as a fourth outfielder significant? Um, I don't know if it's that big a difference when you look at Slater is a guy who's going to be making the minimum for a couple more years. And uh, and then another issue I have, and we've talked about this on previous emergency pods, is if you are trading for a Keon Broxton or whoever it is, you're trading for somebody who you feel is better than Jackson and Duggar in center field to start the year. Whatever you trade, wouldn't you rather trade that for a relief pitcher? That's what I would do. I still think this team needs pitching. Um, they feel differently. They said, as we talked about last week, you know, Bobby said we, we like the young guys. We, we feel like we have guys internally. I feel like they need another reliever. Um, so that, to me, is a little weird. If, if they're going to use more resources right. and trade, and, and I don't, you know, they're not going to trade Ramos or they're not going to go from the top of their list. But even if you're trading the, your seventh best prospect, wouldn't you try to see if you can get a reliever? I mean, I, I would, or a back end, some guy starter, or use that. You know, money. If, if you don't really see Austin Jackson as your center fielder, use that money to get a starter and then just play with the guys you have. Um, I, I wonder if part of it could be, you know, them dancing around the issue. Maybe they don't see him as a center fielder. Maybe they see Duggar in that spot within a month or two. Just don't want to put the pressure on him. Maybe. Yeah, that. And maybe they see Austin as a left fielder. You know, maybe they they see so that that's the, the, other. the end coming sooner rather than later for Hunter Pence in left field, and so maybe that's why when Bruce Bochy says he's my center fielder, yeah, day one, but maybe Brian Sabian has a, a longer view of it and is like, well, eventually he's going to be the left fielder. Well, this is where I I go back to I guess, and it's not just my knowledge of covering Bochy; it's anybody who has seen him play. But I, just being in there and knowing the way he interacts with players, and and I asked him a question today. I said, "You guys in the in the." press release listed Austin Jackson as a versatile player as a guy who can play all three positions and you know McCutcheon's gonna be the everyday right fielder so are you telling are you trying to tell us something about Hunter Pence and I do feel like maybe they are but I also know Bruce Boche I know that he is gonna play Hunter Pence that he he likes Hunter he likes the energy he brings I, I think you know Hunter is very respected in that clubhouse and to sit him for long stretches I mean they're not gonna play him 162 games like they did in the past or 155 or or what have you, but I, I think to make this move with the assumption that Hunter's going to play 90 games or 100 games, to me it just seems unrealistic. Let me throw something at you here, and we haven't really talked about this before, but you know Bruce Bochy has a lot of clout, as he should, as a yes. manager who's going to be a Hall of Fame manager, you know, three World Series titles. I mean, he's getting in to the Hall of Fame as a manager. There's no question about that. And so I think, for the most part, he can do what he wants to do. But you are coming into a year where the entire coaching staff was basically just reshuffled. Some coaches not retained. Longtime pitching coach Dave Rigetti now in the Which front office. Which was not on him. Yeah. yeah. So it was it, done for him. All around him. Yeah, correct. It yeah. wasn't his call. It was it was done done to the staff, not per Bruce Bochy. You wonder if the dynamic has shifted at all, even just a little bit. Uh, and maybe in years past, Bruce Bochy's going to do what Bruce Bochy's going to do. I don't know. Maybe there's a message that got sent in the offseason last year that – you know, Bruce, we love what you've done, but even you're not above it all right now because this team lost 98 games last year, and we need to just make sure that we're all getting our voices heard. And so if the front office, maybe in years past, didn't have the pull with Bruce Bochy to say, hey, we need you to play this guy here, I don't know. Maybe they have a little bit more this year. I don't know if you have any insights That's on that. a good point, and I think everybody feels pressure right now, and that probably plays into it. So I will say there were points where I talked to people last year and I said, are you 
Do you guys agree with the lineup Bochi is running out there? And there was some disagreement from the front office, and, and they did want to see different guys at some points. But ultimately, I think you, you have this guy here, and you trust him to do what he's going to do on a daily basis. And he's also the one who's in the clubhouse and has to explain to people why they're playing or why they're not playing um, veterans, guys who might be in contract years or, or young guys, whatever. So I, I think it, it ultimately usually comes down to him. I have not heard anything. I mean, we've heard a lot of whispers about things here and there. I've not heard anything this year about um, him being given. I know they always give him lineup choices. Ultimately, last I heard, it, it's still completely up to him to put the group out there. So I, I do think – and. There's a piece that just posted on our website, and we'll get to this right now. I was asked to project their lineup, and I, you know, as much as we want to talk about young players or whoever else they might bring in, I, I know Bruce Bochy. He's going to play Austin Jackson center field, and he probably should right now because he's the best center fielder on his roster. So he's going to go with those guys. He's going to play Hunter Pence a lot. Um, he's that's what he does. He right. wants an everyday lineup. He wants these guys. So I, I think. And if Hunter that, plays like he did at the end of the year, then yeah. it's not a point. It's not a. It's it's not a problem, you know, because he showed that he still got something at the and end of the year. If he's not your four hitter, if he's right, you know, he could be a leadoff option. We've talked about him being interesting there, but if his, I have him sixth. So yeah, I'm, so I'm curious if, to hear your lineup. If he's there, it's much better. I interesting, think. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so at the the one I projected, and it's difficult right now because I, I think Andrew McCutcheon should probably hit second. I love that number two spot. It is shown that that's where your best hitter should hit, and I don't know who's the best hitter on this team. Uh, you can make the argument for Belt, for Posey, for McCutcheon, maybe Longoria in some circumstances, but it feels like he'd be really good right there in front of Posey, but then you look at them being really right-handed in the heart of the lineup. So what I, I went with was McCutcheon hitting leadoff, which he hasn't really done since 2011, mm. but he's also been a number three hitter and hasn't had a Buster Posey on his team or, right. or a Longoria. And then Joe Panic our classic number two prototypical lefty. And then Longoria, because the one thing we had for, from, from Bruce Belchi this offseason was after the Longoria deal, he said he would like to go Longoria, Posey, Belt in the heart of his lineup. And I, I think McCutcheon changes that a little bit, but you also need guys at the top, whether it's first or second, and McCutcheon makes right. more sense than the other three. So I have McCutcheon, Panic, Longoria, Posey, Belt, Hunter Pence, Brandon Crawford hitting seventh, Jackson hitting eighth, which was another thing that came up today, and then Bumgarner providing the power hitting ninth on opening day. You could move Bumgarner. You could move you him could up move, to four. Yeah. You could move him up to four if you saw a need. Uh, yeah, I'm curious. Did Bruce, did Bruce say anything about leading off Jackson, or is that? He, he said he's capable of doing it. It's an option. He, yeah. he said he likes the versatility he provides. It, it is, you know, it, against a, a tough lefty. I mean, yeah, I think we'll, we'll see that um, quite a bit. But just in, in terms of when you look at opening day, and, and uh, they will face the lefty in Clayton Kershaw, so maybe he'll be up there. But... So, I, I mean, I've just put out on Twitter this whole offseason. I mean, I've been pushing Joe Panic as a leadoff guy just mainly because I, 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 I do like, I like it now. Guy. So Mostly because Joe walks in and sees his name at leadoff, and, and he gets very excited. Yeah. He starts making Ricky Henderson jokes. Is that true? Yeah. So. I'd like to hear that. Well, <laughs> I don't know if I've ever heard Joe tell a joke. A couple jokes maybe here and there. Um, so, yeah, I go, I go Joe leadoff, McCutcheon two, uh, Posey three, Four belt just to kind of break up the lefty righty deal. Uh, Longoria five, Crawford six, Hunter or Austin Jackson seven and or eight, and then uh, pitcher nine. You know we t- we talk about it every time with with belt and you put him at four and, and people get on you about that. But I mean the the biggest complaint that a lot of people have against Brandon Belt he's not your not your number four or number five because he doesn't he doesn't drive in people. He takes a walk. Well. 
if that's the case, he shouldn't be lower. He should be higher in the order. You know, put yeah. him, put him to, um, or to get on before McCutcheon and Longoria. But yeah, I think it's. I, I think it'll be cool to see what Bruce does because they have a lot of options there, um, and it, and it will change. It'll it'll change throughout the year. But you've got you've got options. And I'll be honest with you, like looking at the lineup, I, and I get it, right? Longoria's what thirty two. McCutcheon's thirty one. It's a good look. It looks the lineup looks sweet, right? You look at the lineup with the names. It looks good, and it's not like any of the guys that they just when got. When you look at last year's lineups that were used most often, and first of all, the lineup they used most often last year got used six times. So wow. this is all going to change. They used yeah. 136 <laughs> different lineups last wow. year, so it, it's all going to change. But yeah, it, it's a much different lineup. I also just realized something as you were sitting there and realized that we're talking about opening day lineup that's what you always talk about yeah and on opening day they're probably going to face Clayton Kershaw right I know which means Brandon Belt should probably be hitting ninth because he's like one for 50 against yeah. him or something like that yeah so uh, these things will who knows Nick Hundley might get the start over. yeah <laughs> maybe yeah. he'll bring Brett Pill back and yeah. Let him. yeah so the Kershaw you'll throw the bomb squad out against him I but know I think if you're talking about just a generic opening day lineup and, and right. you say this is what we're going with um that's what I would do. Yeah, can't go can't go too wrong with it. Can't go too wrong. And there, and there's going to be. I mean, they switched it up last year. I mean, we did see, you know, Pence up and down the the order lead off. And I think I think we did see Panic at some point yeah, last year in the, yeah. in the leadoff spot. And so it, we'll, we'll get to see whatever your favorite lineup is. We'll get to see it at some point. So, you know, I like the Twitter questions. Yeah, and the Facebook questions. We'll get to a couple of them here. Um, at Macaulay too asks, can they still squeeze out enough cash to sign another reliever? They are right up against the tax, like right up against it. Bobby Evans said today that they have enough that if they need to make a move on a minor league deal, if something makes sense, they can do that. I think there are ways they can finesse this a little bit, which they did with the Jackson deal. You see the incentives in year mm-hmm. two and all that. So, yeah, if somebody is out there in a couple weeks looking for that 1.5 non-guaranteed, I think they can do that. Uh, I think they should do that. I still have concerns about the bullpen. And I feel yeah. like if you feel like you're going to be a good team, um, you're looking at two years of a really bad bullpen. And I I believe that these guys are going to come back healthy. I believe some of them are going to be better. But you still have to be realistic and say this is two years of the same issues and we haven't done anything to address them, aside from hope that guys get healthy. Yeah, some of you on Twitter you know, tweeted at me and talked about Dyson being a, a guy that you could move that – that would free up what four and a half million, four something, and a half, something yeah. like that. A Billy Hamilton-sized chunk of it. Yeah. So I mean, they they do have some some options there, but but then you're like you just said that the one of the weakest they units. Need a setup guy. Then you yeah. need, you've lost Crick, and now you've lost Dyson to a unit that wasn't you know knocking the, the barn doors off anyway, and so I, I think that's that's a mistake to do to do. But yeah, so there's just not. I don't see how they can free up salary at this point to make a significant move outside of just the minor league kind of deal. Yeah. So, and they did say today, I mean, they'll never rule themselves out on anything, but we, we did they finally get went as far as they would go to say, look, we're, we're done with these big names. Stop throwing us in those rumors pretty much. Uh, the other question from Kenny Kelly, he asked me a lot of questions, I think. So shout out to Kenny. Nice. Any chance, this is a question a lot of people have asked me, any chance we check on Blanco? I love Gregor Blanco, one of the nicest people I've ever met, legitimately, like not just in baseball, but in general. Just yeah. a really good guy. Um, was a great clubhouse guy. I, you know, to me at this point, it's like you have your three veterans who are set. We know Duggar's coming. We know Slater. 
mm-hmm. um, it's going to be in the mix. Look, Jarrett Parker and Mac Williamson are still on the 40-man roster. One of them might make the team. Gorky's Hernandez still on the 40-man roster. To me, it, it just feels like you, regardless of whether they add somebody else, like they, they're set in terms of guys who are, are backup outfielders. Right. You're just dealing a, a, along the margins at that point. Yeah. You know, it just seems like you have that, and that'd be redundant at that point. I love I loved covering Gregor, too, and there were always those off-seasons where the whispers, are, you know, hey, hey maybe, maybe he'll get a little bit more time. But he, he really was perfect for his role, and I know Tim Flannery talks about it all the time because he says he was like this a lot. You know, a utility guy, not really an everyday guy, would break down if you play, you know, two weeks straight. And Gregor would tell you. Yeah. Yeah, but when you get your chance and when you have those spots, you came through. I mean, Gregor played in some of the biggest games in San Francisco Giants franchise he history. pretty much every postseason. Exactly. <laughs> every year something would happen where he was right, starting. Right, right. Um, yeah, he was interesting because he would, you know, I guess in podcasts I should just tell stories about guys who aren't here anymore. But yeah. Gregor was funny because he would, he would start for somebody. You know, Angel would get hurt because Angel always got hurt or something would happen. Yeah. Melky got suspended. And you think everybody always wants to be like, I'm ready to go, I'm ready to go every day. And he would. He always wanted that shot. But he would always kind of admit to you after a couple weeks, he would be like, it's a grind. Like, I'm a little bit tired, and the numbers would tail off. He was very honest about the fact that it is when you're used to being a reserve, it was hard to go in there and play every single day. So he was perfect for that role. Um, A good giant. He will be back for all the reunions and – at some point, yeah, but there. I mean, but I don't know that all the all the names we just mentioned there of all the young outfielders they have will be back next year. You know, I mean, it's just depending on what happens. Yeah, I mean, there's now. some options games coming up. Parker's out of options, so I, I think there are other shoes to drop yeah. with this 40 man roster, especially in the outfield. I, I do want to, before we end, give a shout out to my dude John Shea of the Chronicle okay. because we're on this conference call today, and he he. Asked a question that was my favorite moment of the offseason because he said, you guys started the offseason by saying you want to get younger and more athletic and then listed the guys that they have that they have traded for or signed. And I, I think his exact wording at the end was, so how does that work? Just, <laughs> you want to get younger, you want to get more athletic. You so far have added three significant pieces who are in their 30s. Yeah. And we've talked a lot about that. So it is going to be... You know, I think this is going to be a camp which is coming up where a lot of guys are getting rest time. A lot of guys are getting the day off in the middle of the week. Um, something to watch during the season, well, certainly. Yeah, and you got you got two guys in the bullpen coming back off injury with Will Smith and Mark Melanson. Who that's a bit, that'll be something to watch in spring. What was their answer when he said what What's the deal with that? What's I don't think Sabian was thrilled with the <laughs> question. <laughs> he basically said, you know, it. Nobody really knows what what young is, I, I guess, was, was what they said. And, and that with all the advances, with the off days this year, they do have more off days built in um, through the yeah. collective bargaining agreement. I think it's four more days. They have 25 now. So they're talking about that a lot. They feel like they can keep guys healthier. Certainly two of the guys they've added, McCutcheon and Longoria, have been Ironmen. They, they play all the time. So that is fair. I think, it, as we've talked about, you look at the grand – scheme of things in the entire lineup and mm-hmm. Brandon Belt's turning 30 soon and yeah this is going to be I think the oldest probably everyday team in the majors which they were pretty old in 2010 when they when they won they the were. whole thing so but it wasn't like they were done it favorites in necessarily in 2010 but you know and it's interesting I just read a, a, a fan graph story on age and they did a real detailed breakdown on war and you know all, all it, was, it was great it was really well done uh, I don't remember who did it exactly but Basically, what they found is at least last year, 
is that players who were 30, 31 would have just as good a years as players who were 26, 27, 28. And so you really didn't see that that big tail off until you got to 34. You know, yeah. 34, you know, 33, you started to see it. 34, you really saw it. Um, so I think that's good news. It's good news for the Giants and you know, maybe not great news for Longoria, who's 32 yeah. right now, and you got him for a few more years. But um, but It's not great news for 2020. 2019. No, no, which you've always been saying, you know, it wasn't going to be great. No matter what they did this offseason, 2019 and 20 wasn't going to be great. There's so. a train coming, and it's going to hit the Giants right. straight on. So I don't think 30 and 31 and even 32 is, is really old. You know, I don't I don't think that they got they got old there. I think that they could have as good years. I think Longoria is going to have a better year at 32 than he did probably at 31. I just I think he'll probably bounce back even with a change of venue and change of ballpark. So age, not even this year, I don't even think is that big of a deal. I'm 32, and I feel like I'm in the prime of my life, so <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not going to complain too much. I'm 38, and I don't feel very good okay. anymore. Yeah. So this team, when they're 38, <laughs> they're going to be in trouble. But that is a, that is the third emergency podcast. Again, thank you so much to everybody who asked for these yeah. whenever something happens. It's cool to see that it's become kind of a thing that people want to listen to after a trade and, and digest everything. Um, I haven't said it for a while, so if, if you haven't subscribed on iTunes, that helps us a lot if you subscribe wherever you listen and you just get those automatically and we have big podcast plans for spring training which is starting soon so you know if you're a subscriber you will get those right as they go up and, and you'll be ready to go and, and keep up with everything so for now me and Ahmed talking about Austin Jackson <laughs> the emergency pod we'll see if we have one more of these before uh, I report down to Scott's it's gotta be something minor something minor to talk something about something will happen yeah. there's gotta be a threshold at some point where you don't do the emergency <laughs> yeah. pod but we'll see if we can find it alright thanks for listening everybody it is out of here in the center field and this game is over got him and that's the perfect game Swing it about the Giants are world champions the Giants Insider Podcast on CSNBayArea.com.